Have you ever felt like the work you were supposed to love is instead sucking your soul and you aren't making the impact you always dreamed of making? If so, you aren't alone. From broke and underemployed to six figures plus, powered only by daydreams and grit, I realized I was burning out and my values of freedom, purpose, and making an impact were taking the backseat to my wallet. I realized that I needed to build my own field guide to awesome from the inside out. So I gave it all up and I traveled the world to rediscover what was most important to me and create a business that filled my pockets, filled my soul, and allowed me to multiply my impact. But the question is, how will I do it? Join me on my journey and find out as we build our community of experts and share the secrets of success from the inside out. My name is Trina Serechia, and this is the Field Guide to Awesome. Hi folks, welcome back to the Field Guide to Awesome. In my last episode, we spoke with Tammy Dunnett. Tammy is a workplace bullying survivor and is using her experience and knowledge to help others conquer conflict. She provides free resources on her Facebook page and offers small group masterclasses. If you missed that episode, make sure to go back and check it out. But don't go yet, folks. My next guest is Derek Loudermilk. Derek Loudermilk is a former pro cyclist and extreme microbiologist turned into professional adventurer, author, and lifestyle entrepreneur. His podcast, The Art of Adventure, has become one of the top entrepreneurship and travel podcasts. Derek Loudermilk is the creator of the LEAP, Leap System, for Quantum Entrepreneurs. His business coaching process incorporates the Thought Leadership MBA, the Adventure Mindset, and the Energy Experience, as well as Peak Performance Mastery. As an international speaker and trainer, Derek regularly presents on topics such as human potential, skill mastery, adventure, charisma, and confidence. Let's welcome Derek Loudermilk. Derek, I am so excited to interview you today. I'm so glad that you were able to join me. Trina, thanks for having me. I'm excited as well. This is going to be fun. The first thing that I usually ask my interviewees is, tell me what you've been experiencing during this time of coronavirus, because it's really been a challenge for a lot of people. What's been most challenging for you? Well, I think, I think you're right. You know, it's, it's challenging for a lot of people. It hasn't been challenging for me. And I think it's really important for me and a lot of people to remember that everybody's experience is going to be different. There's, uh, there's people that have shared with me that this is like the worst moment in their lives. You know, they're trapped in a foreign country. Uh, people around them are dying of starvation. It's terrible. And then for me, I'm, I'm at home spending more, a little bit more time with my kids and it feels great. And I'm enjoying like the slowing down and watching the flowers in my garden grow. And it's just really beautiful. And so we have this full spectrum. And I think it's one of the most important things like for us as a, as a species, as, as humanity is this sort of understanding of so many different experiences and compassion, because I think that's really being shown and highlighted for us right now. Um, so honestly, my experience is uh, I haven't, I haven't, uh, it hasn't really affected me too much. Um, and also that's because I don't, I don't let it, I don't get into new cycles. I don't really make it, um, mean much to me. It doesn't, doesn't really pertain to me. Uh, so, so I'm not spending mental energy. And I think, you know, cause there are a lot of other problems as well that I also don't make pertain to me. Um, mm -hmm. so, so it, it really depends on, on what you let in, uh, and how it's going to affect you. 
I agree. And what I loved about what you said a little earlier was that you actually are in contact with people in other countries who are having extremely different experiences of the coronavirus. It sounds like you work a lot with location independent people. And by location independent, I mean people who are traveling and have businesses that don't require them to be in a specific location. So have Wi-Fi can work. Yeah. And now the whole world is getting a taste of what it's like to be a digital nomad. All these corporate people who never worked from home before get to have a little taste and, and some mm. of them probably really love it. Some of them probably it's, it doesn't work for them. They need, you know, a certain <clears throat> office environment or something like that. Um, but you know, I've been, I consider myself a digital nomad for, for the last six years, I've basically been traveling. Like I just settled down right before this pandemic hit. So a lot of my other traveling friends, like they're forced to settle down too. And so we're all kind of going through this, like stop traveling together. Um, but I still have clients all over the world in, uh, in all the time zones really, which, it, you know, can, can be tricky for business when you're, when you're trying to figure, okay, are you going to wake up earlier or am I going to stay up late or, you know, yep. um, Who's going to, who's going to, it's not the nine to five that we're all used to. Yeah. But that's also, you know, people, uh, there's this, there's this balance of like, when, when are you working? When are you just doing life? And, and it's become this experience of, well, I'm kind of always thinking about business, but it's, it's kind of fun. Cause I, so, so it kind of all blends together. There's not this sort of clock in clock out, which I used to experience, you know, when I, when I worked in the corporate world. I have to agree. Uh, I worked for most of my life in, in corporate and having to clock in and clock out. And it wasn't until about 2014 when I took a pretty much a year sabbatical um, where I really learned what it was like to just travel, really think and delve into where I wanted to take my life from there, like what kind of impact I wanted to create. And so when I came back and became self-employed, I found that while I, I absolutely loved what I did and it wasn't something that I could clock out from because I was always thinking about it and it was always fun <laughs> to think about it. Um, I think at the same time that to pull in a sense of stillness and to make space around that uh, and create more of a fuller life experience, a more balanced life experience as a person who is an entrepreneur. Yeah, that's a great word and concept stillness that you bring up there. And, you know, I think a lot of people have an opportunity for stillness and slowing down while they're, you know, at home. And there's also this uh, if, especially if you're an entrepreneur, especially if you're in the Western world, this need to be productive. And I, I was talking to a friend who, who married an African princess. And, and when she came to the U.S., she was like, I cannot believe how productive you are. Like, we would just sit and just stare at a wall all day. And you guys are just like busy learning and creating stuff. And um, so that was, that was kind of eye-opening. And so we have this sort of culture of busy productivity, you know, boom, 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 moving fast, all these things, especially as entrepreneurs. And some of the, the most creative ideas, some of the best decisions, uh, some of the most powerful uh, ways of leadership come from slowing down and stillness and letting 
uh, letting your intuition sort of digest uh, and your subconscious and all these all these things. So uh, it's it's you almost have to to build that into your your day if if you're not that kind of person uh, to take advantage of all the great things that come from stillness and meditation and all that. Yeah, there's a certain balance that needs to be um, struck between the doing, the getting it done, the lighting the fire and, and really taking action and stepping back, taking a breath, meditating, finding that space of what your business and who you as a person and an entrepreneur can actually become. And it's reminding me of uh, one of the one of the tools that I use quite a lot and that I that I teach my clients is uh, to utilize also dream time because your your ego is largely gone when when you're dreaming and you have access to your subconscious and the collection collective unconscious, which is sort of what uh, Carl Jung was talking about. And you can get uh, answers, you can get business ideas, you can even get clients, customers in dream time. And you simply have to, uh, if, let's say you want to make more money, you have to, you have to start with a question like, okay, subconscious, tonight in dream time, show me where I will find my best customers. And then you might get some, some weird idea, you know, like all of a sudden, you know, why is this, uh, why is this one city popping into my head or why is this one influencer coming up? Well, you know, that, then when you wake up, you know, go investigate, go, go see, like, is there a connection here that that's possible for my business? Cause you're going to get all these great answers. And, you know, I ended up this house that I'm in right now, we bought because I asked in Dreamtime and it said, buy this house. And I was like, okay, here we are. Um, so it's a, it's another great practice to to um, utilize that sort of quiet space and let your unconscious help you out. What I love about that is with dream time, you're allowing your ego to quiet down. You're allowing your thinking doing mind to quiet down, to actually listen to what your intuition is telling you. And so if you haven't, if, if you're listening and you haven't, uh, if you're like, I don't remember my dreams or, or you don't really often remember them or you're, you're not sure what they mean, the first step is, is keep a dream journal. Keep a little notebook next to your bed and write down what you can remember, any symbols or people or just feelings. How did it feel in the dream? And then you can start to say, you know, like, does this pertain to, to my waking life? Like, is there, any, is there any action? Is there any doing that needs to happen? Um, but there's also, you can, you know, just by keeping this dream journal, there's a lot to a lot of insight there as well. So it's super helpful. That's awesome. And it sounds kind of like what you're talking about too, with dream time. Um, do you do much with lucid dreaming? So for, for people, uh, if you don't know what lucid dreaming is, it's like when you become aware that you are dreaming and then there's, mm -hmm. it opens up all these great possibilities of, Things you can do you can decide to go fly or make people appear or disappear you know change the scene super cool right and it's by the way it's really good training for manifesting in 3d waking life right because if you can instantly make money appear in your dream well that's good practice for instantly manifesting something in waking life because it works the same way um but lucid dreaming is sort of like phase two so once you've started keeping a dream journal uh, then, and you're sort of used to being 
paying attention to your dreams, then you can start uh, sort of suggesting tonight while I'm dreaming, I will become aware that I am dreaming. And, and the, the sort of the most popular way of, of causing this to happen is to look at your hands um, while you're dreaming and sort of ask yourself, like, am I dreaming right now? This is actually kind of a fun question to think about. Because if, if I was to ask you right now, are you dreaming? What would you say? I would say at the moment, no, I'm not. However, when I was much younger, I was practicing lucid dreaming. And mm. I knew that whenever I was having a bad dream or something was not feeling comfortable, I would go to a wall and flick a light switch. And if the lights didn't go on, I knew I was still sleeping. I would be aware that I, I was like, okay, I'm dreaming. I'm, I'm dreaming and I don't want to be here. Let's just keep flicking that switch, wake myself up. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you got this light switch cue so it can be any cue it can be your hands it can be a light switch it can be um you can also train yourself to just notice when things are a little too weird mm -hmm. and you know if if you're flying or if uh there's monsters there or you know any of these things and you're like that's that's not in real life but you have to sort of train the awareness to ask yourself is this a dream and and so uh is you know is this dream how do you know how do you know this is dreaming like how do you know if we look around is this a dream or not and so just practicing that throughout the day is you're going to, you're going to also do that in dream time. Uh, and it can, oh. it can be really weird uh, oh, to ask yourself. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So you're saying that during um, regular waking life, say, am I awake or am I dreaming? Yeah. And training yourself you to do that while you're awake. That. And then while you're dreaming or lucid dreaming, you can ask yourself the same question. And really what we're talking about here with stillness and dream time and lucid dreaming and all this is getting to know your own mind, getting to know the patterns of, of your brain, but also the patterns of your subconscious thoughts and how, how that all operates. Um, and, and, you know, one of the hardest things, uh, a lot of people tell me, I haven't done a full 10 day Vipassana, but 10 days of, you know, silent meditation retreat, uh, a lot of people that's like the hardest thing they've ever done is just being with their own thoughts. And I've done smaller, you know, a couple, couple days at a time, vision quests and things like that. But when you, if you just sit down for 10 minutes and you see the thoughts that come through your mind, you're not controlling. You're not necessarily, you know, they just like come in and flow out and another one comes in and flows out. And it's just, it's wild to see, uh, you know, that's not me. Those are just thoughts that are coming in. Like I'm the person thinking those, but those are not me. And there's a separation and understanding that, that is helpful. Um, especially if you get into negative thought loops and, and, it, and mm. you, you know, cause a lot of people like, let's say, let's take entrepreneurs and they're like, Oh, I'm not productive enough. Or I, you know, I made an offer to somebody and they didn't buy it and I feel bad. Right. That's not you. Those are your, those are thoughts. So, so it's good to know that separation between the identity of you and the identity of your thoughts. Yeah. And because you can choose to think something different. Yes. You can, you can redirect. Yeah. Yeah. And really the thoughts that we think are our habits of thinking, our habitual thinking that our habits come easy. They're things that we just do automatically. And we also have the opportunity to retrain ourselves to think differently. And yet it's hard. It can be really hard when you're 
changing how you're thinking and the kinds of thoughts that you're thinking. But just like when you're building a muscle, when you do that very first push-up, it's going to be hard as heck to do. But you keep practicing that push-up, and then it becomes easy. And then you need to make it a little more challenging to do, to grow your push-up muscles. And the same thing with sit-ups. Any kind of physical activity, any kind of muscle, it's hard to do that new exercise at first. And the same thing happens with the muscle in our heads, our brains. So changing our thoughts, choosing to think something different, something more empowering can be difficult at first and takes a lot of concentration. But once you do, then that starts becoming more of a habit, a supportive habit. And, you know, I, I used to be both a biologist and a pro athlete. And so when you're an athlete, right, you see the progression of your physical body. And then from the science point of view, uh, changing a body takes energy. So, so whether it's rewiring neurons or, or building muscle, like it's actually, you know, it's a fairly energy intensive process. It's not, it's not super easy, right? So you have to decide between, um, like lying on the couch and the comfort and the ease that comes from that, which is like where our body sort of wants us to, to save energy, just rest. And so you're fighting sort of an uphill battle of actually physically changing. And when you're rewiring, right, you're, you're growing new neural connections. And so you, you sort of have to commit, like, do I want long-term happiness? Do I want long-term, you know, positive thoughts or, or solution oriented thoughts? This is like a seven year long, you know, like, to, to become an Olympian, right? If you were to say it's going to take five to 10 years to become an Olympian, well, to permanently change your happiness set point or to permanently change your creativity set point, uh, it's going to take like this many year dedicated practice, which is the, you know, the habit of continually refocusing your attention. That is absolutely true. It takes grit and re repetition. If you could eat just one piece of broccoli and have a healthy diet for life, I'd, I'd be in for that. You know, I, I would love that, but that's just not the case. If we could just do one push-up and have washboard abs for the rest of our lives, that would be awesome. But we all know that that's not possible. And so the same is true with thinking a empowering thought once that's not going to fix it for the long term. These are things that you need to do every day, every moment, at, at least with the thinking part. Every moment is important, you know, to have those empowering thoughts, to think in an empowering way. I'd love to talk about grit with you on a future interview, keeping that resilience and building that resourcefulness. I see out in the entrepreneurial community especially with new entrepreneurs who are struggling to really get their businesses up off the ground and to keep them in a very profitable place is really challenging and it's exhausting, it can be exhausting. One of the things that I think makes the difference between a successful entrepreneur and one who continues just to dabble like a hobbyist uh, entrepreneur is the difference between resources and resourcefulness. Mm. Yeah, because there's always this, this 
uh, it gives like the chasm of despair. I think some some author called it is there's this like time or situation that you have to go through the sort of the dark night of the soul when you when there's like a series of things that don't quite work out and you're going to be confronted with the question should I keep going and if you know if you've done something else like a like a complex project or, or you know even if you like graduated school or something like that like you know uh it's not one in this moment or even in this day it's like the long it's like the collective of all of your actions where where the you know final victory is achieved but like in that moment when you're confronted and, and want to throw in the towel like it helps to to draw on all those previous times when you have have trained yourself right to to come through these challenges and and be okay knowing that it's uncomfortable it doesn't feel great right now and ultimately you're you're just learning and you're on your way to where you want to go yep success is a journey it's not a destination derek it's been such a pleasure interviewing you today where can people learn more about you uh thanks trina DerekLoudermilk.com is uh where you'll find uh things like my podcast which is called The Art of Adventure, uh, all, the, all the books and uh, coaching that I do there for, for location-independent entrepreneurs and thought leaders, So, and all my social media handles are also at Derek Buttermilk. Fantastic. Derek, would you be willing to come back and continue this conversation? Yeah, let's do it. That would be awesome. Thank you very much, Derek. Yeah, thanks for having me. Stay tuned for the next episode where we talk with the mind shark, Joe Cursillo. Joe is a celebrated author, business coach, lawyer, mentalist, and motivational speaker. He's helped companies thrive by focusing on the idea of having a unified vision. Joe has helped countless business leaders to improve their effectiveness by adopting and carrying out their mission. Joe specializes in helping companies to tap into the power of their millennial employees and bridge the gap between generations. Stay tuned for the first part of our conversation airing next episode. I know you're going to enjoy our conversation as much as I did having it. You don't want to miss it, folks. Hey, thanks for listening. I truly hope you got something out of this episode that you can immediately implement in your life or business. If so, one of the easiest ways you can help me and multiply your impact is to please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and help me reach other heart-centered and socially conscious entrepreneurs like you. As a special thank you, when you leave your rating and review, you'll win a 15-minute free consultation meeting with me to talk specifically about your business. Just send me an email with an image or a screenshot of your rating and we'll schedule the time. Thanks again and be awesome.